At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Live from Liverpool, the dark paranormal. Season 12 Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 12, Episode 8. Firstly, a huge thank you to everyone who's reached out to show interest in the minisodes that we announced for Season 13. Don't forget, Season 13 is a special one. Well, not only because it's 13, or the fact that it will debut on Friday the 13th, but for the first time in a good few seasons, some of the episodes in season 13 will be the more famous paranormal stories and cases that we've not yet covered. We've already had an influx of suggestions for those paranormal cases for us to look at, and if you have a suggestion, email it across contact at thedarkparanormal.com and that's also the address if you wish to submit your true paranormal experience because although we are reintroducing some of the more famous paranormal cases at the very heart of the show we want you to hear experiences that you never have before so don't think we'll be going back fully to well-known cases we're just going to freshen things up for Season 13 and throw in the odd famous case. But that does mean that there is less space on Season 13 for your true paranormal experiences. And let me tell you, from what we've received so far, it's going to be a tough choice what goes in. But like I said last week, don't let that dissuade you from sending in your true paranormal experience. That email address again contact at thedarkparanormal.com. And don't forget, as we said last week, Season 13 also sees the beginning of minisodes going out each and every week in between each episode of this season. Little 15-minute fragments of fear to get you through to the following Friday. Oh, I almost forgot. I also have an announcement, as promised, for this show. But first, I need to say a huge thank you to everyone who's joined our team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also gain access to the Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites, which runs each and every week of the year, even on the downtime between seasons. Which not only means you never miss your paranormal fix... It also means there's an entire back catalogue of Patreon-only episodes for you to binge. In addition, each and every minisode from Season 13 will be available ad-free on that Patreon feed. But the best thing about Patreon itself is the community. 
we've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. And don't forget, anyone who signs up between now and episode 9 will have a thank you and their name read out on episodes 9 and, of course, the all-important season 12 finale. And so, if you'd like to receive early ad-free episodes, which includes the debuts and finales, ad-free minisodes, and, of course, access to the Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites, simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Now, I do have an announcement for this show, and that is, I am starting a new podcast. Those who follow The Dark Paranormal on social media may well already be aware, but on the 27th of October, we're launching a new show, The Deadly Countdown. True crime, unsolved cases, strange disappearances. Join me as we travel through the timeline of some of the darkest acts in human history. I'm your host, Kevin Eustace, and on Friday the 27th of October, we begin The Deadly Countdown. So, to say things are getting a bit busier over here would be quite the understatement. What's not understated is today's episode. It's always a nice thought or a lovely gesture if you get something for someone that you personally don't like, but you know they will. It's those sort of gestures that help build a relationship, help strengthen the bonds, help bring malevolent forces into your... No, I don't think that's ever part of the plan. But that's what happens today. So right now, it's time to lower those lights, make yourself comfortable... And of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we listen to Finders Keepers. Hi Kev, I'll start by saying I'm from your neck of the woods. Well, South Liverpool. So there'll be places within my experience that you'll no doubt recognise. I will keep myself anonymous, but I'll go by Alan for the write-up. The thing is, when I disclose my job, it quickly narrows down who I could be, especially amongst my colleagues. In all honesty, my mates in work all know this tale anyway. But I'll stay anonymous just on the off chance, in case any bigwigs are listening in. I'll also try and not use many scouse words so the audience can understand me. For anyone listening who's unaware, Scouse is the name of our Liverpudlian accent. 2015, Friday the 13th. I know the exact date and time this all began. I know because we, the wife and I, had returned home from a fortnight away the day before. And she'd banged on at me to take the Friday off work. Not for any superstitious reason, just because to her, well, to most people I guess, it would seem madness to have a fortnight away, come back to work for one day, and then have a weekend off. 
Why not just take the day and go back on Monday? She'd say. Well, the reason was... I was actually trying to save a few days annual leave so I could follow the Reds, sorry, Liverpool Football Club, to one of their European Cup ties, as we were having a very good run in the Europa Cup that year. Me and some of the lads had a deal that if we made the final, which that year was in Switzerland, we'd all head over. But given her probable reaction, I hadn't yet built up the courage to let her know this plan, and I'd probably need to buy some undergarment protection for when I told her. So I work at one of the council tips in Liverpool. Sorry, one of the household waste and recycling centres in Liverpool. It is a brilliant job. Better than anyone would think. It's mainly pointing cars to the different skips and bays. You know, wood, recyclables, electrics, etc. And on quiet days, you can make a good dent in a book. Radio playing, a flask of hot tea. Well, give me this over a desk job any day. I mean, winters are a bit different. But even that can be nice. In the little hut with a heater on. Anyway, Friday the 13th of November, I'm doing the final walk around the site before locking up. And you do find all sorts, as you'd imagine. We have a policy, meaning we can't take anything home. Even if, for example, you decided to just bin a 50-inch television. Nope, we have a list of charities, and they'll come out and test and fix and pass on to those in need, and rightly so. But we also have an unwritten rule that if it's 100% to be destroyed, we can use it. Let's say, I don't know, a certain shaped frame we could personally use. Then we'll take it. We shouldn't, which is nonsense as it would only go to landfill, and we are a recycling plant after all. But we do. Half of the lads' back gardens, mine included, look great due to what others have deemed useless. So, on my walk round, first I spot what's clearly a keyring. It's on the floor, no keys attached. I pick it up and it's a gold-coloured liverbird. A Liverpool Football Club keyring. Now, anything actually just in the road like this should and could be just thrown in the relevant skip. Obviously not a wedding ring or something clearly important. We did have an actual lost item tin for those type of things, but a keyring, that would normally just be flung away. So obviously, I clipped it round my car key. Happy days. Walking past the electronic crate where all the TVs and computers are kept, something caught my eye. At the very back was a really old TV, with a small porcelain statue on it. Such a bizarre sight that I assumed it was glued to the top. So I precariously worked my way to the back, and no, it was just placed on. A little statue of a hobo boy and his dog. 
Well, the wife loves anything like this. So I popped it in my bag and I closed up everywhere and headed home. Oh, I love that, my wife Susan said, looking at the figurine in more detail. The young lad was crying, but smiling whilst petting his dog. It was actually rather creepy, which I told her. She playfully backhanded me and said, Shut up, you. And just for that, it's going here. And she placed it slap-bang in the centre of the mantelpiece. Oh, come on, Sue. I'm not staring at that thing every bloody day, I moaned. Well, no one's asking you to, she replied, walking into the kitchen. She shouted through, Besides, when do you ever look at the mantelpiece? What? I shouted back. She walked in, wiping her hands on a tea towel. Tell you what, she said, nodding at the statue. If you can tell me what I've just moved from there to put that figure there, then I'll move it back. Well, she had me there. She was trying to prove the point of how little attention I actually paid. Come on, I've just moved it and it's been there over a year. But my mind was blank. Um, a carriage clock? Right, it's staying. A clock. We've never had a clock there, she said, wiping her hands and marching back into the kitchen. Fair enough, I thought. She's got me there. Anyway, that same night, I woke up because of a sound. It was the sound of the living room door. Now the door was on a roller catch, so it needed a fair push to close. If you tried to close it by just letting go, the catch would bounce the door back from the brass fixing, if that makes any sense. Anyway, this noise I was hearing, I wasn't scared. I was just confused. I mean, it clearly wasn't burglars. Unless they were daft. But maybe a window was open or something. So I got out of bed and went down to check. I didn't even bother putting lights on. The streetlights outside illuminated enough to find my way. The sound stopped as I got to the hallway. I walked over, grabbed the handle of the door, moving it. Yep, definitely that sound. I looked up at the front windows, all locked. What the fuck? I jumped and almost hid behind the door in the hallway. We have a large mirror above the mantelpiece, and I swear blind, in the corner of my eye, there was a figure in it. A big shadow figure. I looked again and there was nothing. Just the reflection of the streetlights from outside through the blinds. It must have just been someone walking past outside, I said to myself. Calming down, I pulled a face at the figurine under the mirror. Or it's bloody you, I pointed, semi-joking. I checked every other window, all closed. I shut that door properly and thought, well, that should fix it now anyway. The next morning, Sue had her weekly coffee morning with her mates. Car keys, please, she said as I finished my coffee. 
I fished out the keys and threw them over to her. I loved Saturday mornings. She'd go out, so I'd throw on some podcasts, even back then. Or I'd spend the morning going through Wikipedia, blue link to blue link, utter bliss. After about 40 minutes of going through what Wikipedia had to offer, the landline went. Well, I knew this was Sue before I even picked it up. It was only me and her who still used it. We had mobiles, but it was hit and miss whether we'd hit home or Sue or Alan. Home would be the landline. Hello? Hello, Sue? I hung up. It was Sue on my mobile. I picked up. I asked Sue what happened there. But Sue immediately jumped over me. She was clearly flustered. Alan, Alan, who's our breakdown with? And have you got their details? I panicked a bit and said, what's happened? And apparently the car had refused to start after Sue had filled the tank at the petrol station. A few guys had pushed the car to the side of the garage. I asked if she'd accidentally filled the car with diesel and you can imagine the response I got. Tell me exactly where you are and I'll get a cab down and sort it out, I said. I arrived and tried to start it myself. It was completely dead. It was only like four years old and a great little runner. Anyway, the RAC were already on their way, so we'd get to the bottom of it soon enough. I think it's the electrics, said Sue. Well, why? I asked. Well, like four or five times, the radio turned itself on, full volume, just between our house and here. That's weird. Well, tell the guy when he turns up, I said. Well, the RAC guy turned up and was an RAC girl. Sue explained about the radio. Her theory on the electrics. The engineer shook her head. Well, it doesn't really work like that. One shouldn't really affect the other. But let's see, eh? She got the keys and... It started first time. Typical, eh? She shouted through the window and smiled. Don't worry, I'll still do some diagnostic checks and make sure nothing's on the blink. Twenty minutes later... After her being under the bonnet and clipping bulldog clips on things, taking readings and whatever, she came over, tossed me the keys, and she passed my wife a form to sign. She shrugged. It's perfect. Well, it's clearly not, said Sue, with a tone. All right, Sue. If the lady says it's fine, it's fine, I said, smiling, trying to defuse Sue before she was about to go off. She missed her weekly coffee morning and was clearly pissed off. Couldn't blame her, really. She'd missed that morning and was stood here for the last few hours. We got in the car and obviously it started first time. We waved at the RAC lady and headed back home. That night, we chose a film, got a takeaway and sat there watching a horror film, of all things when the backroom light bulb went out. Bulb's gone, I said, pausing the film and heading into the kitchen, just to get... 
the light blinked back to life. Well, we've saved a bulb there, I said, joking, and nervously walked back over to the couch, sitting down and pressing play on the film. But it was quickly paused again as we both looked over to see the bulb begin flickering. Go and turn it off, Alan, it's freaking me out. So I did. And I came and sat back. The light came back on. Not flickering this time. Fuck off, said Sue. Someone tapped on the window behind us. We spun around as the couch was under the window. I couldn't see anyone. I slowly stood up and moved the blinds. No one. I went outside to the path. It was about half nine at night and really quiet. I walked to the end of the path, looked up and down the road. Not a soul. As I'm walking back in, Sue is walking back out with her coat on. I'm going to our Sheila's, she said. Oh, come on, Sue, I said. Maybe I didn't turn the light off fully. But Sue was already on the street by now. She pointed at the window. So who knocked on the bloody window then? I shrugged. I don't know. It might just be a bird or something. Sue shook her head and marched off. Sheila only lived round the corner. Right, see you then, I shouted after her, shaking my head and going back inside. I closed the door and flopped on the couch. Yeah, it all was a bit weird, but I still wasn't convinced it was anything paranormal. I glanced at the figure on the mantelpiece. But if it was, it was down to that little bastard, I thought. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I heard Sue come home about one o'clock. She came into the bedroom, clearly worse for wear. Good night then, I asked. Yeah, I was telling Sheila. She thinks it's that figure, that you've brought something back with it. Oh, right, I said. And what do you think? Sue stopped undressing. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't get anything negative from it. Oh, you're a psychic now, are you? I joked. Clearly a bad-timed one, especially with a drunken Sue, 
who threw her top at me, and not in a joking way. All right, calm down, I said. Shut up, she replied, climbing into bed and giving me the cold shoulder. Alan, Alan! Sue shook me awake. Someone's downstairs, she said. I listened but heard nothing. I was about to say it was the living room door and that I'd take a look at it, but... Sue tapped me on the shoulder repeatedly. That's not the door. My heart started pounding. No, that wasn't the door. That was a kitchen drawer. Fuck. I crept out of bed, opened my wardrobe and quietly pulled out a golf club. I must have looked a joke. 55-year-old bald and tubby fella in boxer shorts, wielding an eight-iron. If there was a burglar downstairs, he might laugh himself to death. Seriously, though, I was terrified. It sounded like someone was rifling through all our drawers. I shouted, We phoned the police, so get out now. Nothing. I'll come down there. I'll stove your fucking head in. Silence. And then... For fuck's sake. I crept down the stairs, genuinely thinking this was it. I was done for. I had to do this bloody man-of-the-house bullshit. But if they hadn't moved after I've shouted, then they were here for the fight. I took a deep breath, and I charged into the living room, panting, shaking, palms sweating around this golf club. I put the lights on. Every little drawer was open. The ones in the unit, the ones by the TV, by the fireplace. The contents from some of them were thrown around. I slowly moved into the kitchen, fumbling for the light. Same here. Every drawer open. Cutlery all over the units and the floor. Every cupboard open. Flashing blue light started to come through the front door window, illuminating the hall. I, boxer shorts and all, opened the door to two policemen. Sue had apparently called them before waking me. They came in and saw the utter mess before them. They were checking the handles of the patio, the back door, when Sue screamed from upstairs. In all fairness, before I had the chance to react, both coppers were up those stairs, followed very meekly by me. One copper hurriedly checked every room upstairs whilst the other went and sat with Sue. I walked into the bedroom and Sue was in bits. There was a huge man in the door frame. Well, we've checked everywhere, Sue, and there's no one here now. What did he look like, Sue? asked the policeman. Huge, like muscly, a skinhead and stubble. The copper then said, Have you had a drink tonight, Sue? Clearly smelling the ale on her breath. Now hold on, I said. What about downstairs? In typical police fashion, the policeman said, I'm talking to Sue right now, not you. We'll deal with downstairs later. 
Well, I've had a few, but only after the lights came on by themselves before. Bloody hell, Sue, I thought. We look mad here. The police took our statements, clarified with me that nothing had been taken and that there was no sign of forced entry, and bid us good night. Yeah, not much sleeping took place that night. I spent the next hour or so putting everything back and then lay in bed staring at the ceiling until it was light. Sue, I think helped by the ale, stayed in bed for a few hours' kip. The next morning, I showered and come downstairs, made a coffee and tried to slap myself awake. Sue soon followed behind me. What a night, eh? Unbelievable, I replied. So, shall we bin the little crying bastard then? I said in a jokey tone, nodding at the figure. Sue actually shrugged. Well, something's bloody here, and it started when he came, so maybe. She then seemed to have a moment of rationalisation and said, Let's give him a week. Let's see how we get on. I laughed. Oh, he's on probation then. I rinsed my cup and set off for work. Have you got the car keys? Sue shook her head. Shit, I said, thinking they'd somehow got caught up in last night's mess, and I've probably put them back in one of about 20 drawers. I'm going to have to get a cab into work. I've got no hope of finding them in the next five minutes especially if I've got to turf everything out again. So I called a cab to get to work. Later that day, I got a text off Sue. Found the car keys, you'll never guess where. I hate texts like this. Just say where. But I played along. Where, I replied. In the letterbox. I replied with five or six question marks. She replied, Exactly. I'll show you later. When I got home, Sue took me to the front door. Now, our letterbox has two sides, a very small middle part. So, basically, the postman lifts the outside part and puts the post through the back part that's on the inside. In between are a few small brushes for some reason. Anyway, Sue said she watched the postman come up the drive and as he put the post through, she heard the clatter of the keys across the floor. They must have been in that middle bit. How? I asked. Well, she shrugged and walked back into the living room. Alan! she shouted. I ran to meet her but couldn't see anything wrong. What's up? She pointed at the coffee table and the figurine was in the centre. What? I asked. I haven't moved that. It's been on the mantelpiece all day, she said. I joke when I'm nervous. So I said, Oh, he's breached his probation then. She glared at me. 
Sometimes you... There were four knocks on the patio window. We both froze. It was broad daylight, but it was icy cold. And we both had a clear view of the double patio doors. Not a soul behind them. It's not a nice feeling to feel bullied in your own home. But that's what it felt like. You spend years saving, working, making something to be proud of, to feel safe in. And just like that, it's ruined. I was bullied back at school years ago. And this was the first time in over 40 years that that same feeling came back. It really knocked me for six. I felt unworthy, weak, unmanly. I walked to the kitchen, I grabbed a carrier bag, picked up that figurine and threw it inside. Probation's over. I'm taking him back tomorrow. I walked out and I put him in the back of the car. Sue didn't put up any resistance. If anything, she was probably taken aback by how fuming I was. That night, the living room door again, paranormally now I'm thinking, and I guess with him being out of the house he was slightly weaker, started banging again. I just covered my ears with a pillow and eventually dropped off. The next day, I drive to work. I park, I get my carrier bag out with my pack lunch and this possessed figurine. Time for you to go, mate, I muttered. As I get to the communal hut, Dave, one of my good mates, came over and we had a coffee and a chat. Just about football and the weekend. Oh, yeah, he said, pulling a serious face. Did you see the other week about... Now, I won't mention the name, for obvious reasons, but basically, a major crime figure had been murdered by a rival gang. Yeah, I read about that. Awful stuff. Mind you, as long as they're only doing it to each other, eh? I took another swig of my coffee. Yeah, said Dave. Anyway, on my last shift... His wife turned up here? Really, I said. Why? Well, she said she'd had a clear out of loads of stuff, but in doing so, she'd lost his keyring. Apparently she had this special LFC one made as a wedding present. 24 karat gold. Dave drank his coffee and I almost melted through the floor. I checked the lost property tin, but like I said to her, if she'd lost it here, there's a chance one of us would have thought it was just a keyring and binned it. My throat was bone dry. And, and what did she say? Oh, she just left her number in case we found it. I folded it up and put it in the lost box, just in case. I nodded. It was never the figure. I realised at that moment it was the bloody keyring. Dave finished his shift and I took over. The very first thing I'd done 
was call the number from the box. The lady on the other end wept when I told her I'd found it. And she was over in her SUV within the hour. She hugged me, crying, and attached it to her keys before heading off, wiping her eyes. I spent the rest of the day in a haze. That night I walked through the door, and I know people say this, but it is the truth. It felt different, nicer, better. I went to put my packed lunch dishes in the sink, and I realised I still had the figure. I actually laughed, and I walked over and placed it on the mantelpiece myself. Sue came in and pointed, I thought you were getting rid of that thing. I passed her a cup of tea. Sit down, love, I've got a little tale to tell you. Well, it's 2023 now, and sadly my Sue passed over during Covid. Not due to Covid, it was cancer that took her. The figure is still on the mantelpiece though, and when I look at it, I think of Sue. Specifically the day she put him on probation. And it always makes me smile. Many thanks, Alan or Anonymous. Wow, Alan or Anonymous, whichever name you choose to go by, that experience was exceptional. There's a film called The Devil's Advocate, and it's one of those films where when you reach the end and you know what's gone on, you need to re-watch it again to pick up on all of the little things you might have missed. And that's exactly what I'd done when I read this experience. I often say when someone sends in a submission that there are certain turns of phrase, a certain parlance to how someone speaks that lets you know the authenticity of the tale. And in this case, I'm 100% convinced what you say happened, happened. And I genuinely think for one of the first times ever, I'm going to re-listen to this show again, just in case there's anything else I've missed. So, Alan or Anonymous, thank you so much for submitting your true paranormal experience. Don't forget, guys, if you'd like to submit your true paranormal experience, email us, contact at thedarkparanormal.com, or visit the website, thedarkparanormal.com, and click Contact Us. As ever, for our Patreons, I'll speak to you on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll see you here next Friday for the penultimate episode of Season 12. So remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time right here on the dark paranormal.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.